Well, I am really excited today to, to speak about the topic, the fruit of the Holy uh, sorry, the fruit of the Spirit. Obviously, in the middle of our Holy Spirit series, and I was away last week. Shame on me, but I missed a great message uh, from Pastor Carlo. Uh, I watched it on YouTube. It was an excellent message. Um, but what I wanted to do is, right at the beginning, is talk about the difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. They're actually quite distinct in that you know, the nature of a gift is pretty much that you get a gift and it's already fully formed. It's a complete gift. If it's not fully formed, then it's a bit of a dud gift. It's kind of like, well, here you go, here's your gift. Now you've got to set it up and you've got to make it happen. Unless it's like technology, that's kind of you know, what you want to do and set it all up. But yeah, the nature of a gift is basically something that is given to you, it's bestowed upon you, and it is complete. It's kind of already formed. And yet, the nature of the fruit of the Spirit is that actually fruit is something that needs to be cultivated. If you're going to have fruit in your life, it's, it's got to be cultivated, it's got to be worked at. So you actually have an active part to play. And we're going to read from um, really our key scripture this morning, Galatians chapter 5, um, verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Now, hands up if you've ever read that before. Have you heard of the fruits of the Spirit? You know, who am I talking to you? Most of Christians are right, good. The rest of you, where have you been? Didn't you not go to kids' church? You would have felt bored and they did the fruits of the Spirit on there? I actually didn't, so I'm right here. Um, but, you know, as I've thought about the fruit of the Spirit, I look at it, and honestly, my, my previous thoughts have been, well, you know, good, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, me, what else is there in here? Like, it, they kind of felt like very generic, particularly when I looked at kindness and goodness. I mean, come on, they're the same thing, aren't they? Like, surely this is just a list of things that are just like, well, basically, if you want the fruit of the Spirit, you know, just, just be a good person, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, it's about love and joy and, and, and kindness and... and butterflies and, you know, like just really, really, really nice, kind things. And if I'm being really honest, that's kind of the way I looked at the fruit of the Spirit. It's just like, there's a whole bunch of very nice things that Christians should be. But, you know, I read something this week, um, in actually an article Pastor Carl gave me, and it really helped me frame the way we see the fruit of the Spirit and the way some theologians break it up. And this doesn't do it completely justice, but it really makes sense. Uh, it's actually in three different parts. So the first part being the love, joy, and peace. And so this part of the fruit of the Spirit really is about God. It's not about us. It's about love, joy, and peace. And so we get love from God. We, we get joy from God. We get peace from God. And God does everything in love with joy, and He accomplishes it using peace. Everything God does, He does in love because He is love. He does it with joy and He accomplishes it in peace. Yes, He might cause a lot of turmoil around it, but in our lives, when we function and when we live, God wants us to have a sense of peace. And so we can't have love or joy or peace, true peace without Christ. And so the first little part there really is about God. The second part is the patience, kindness and goodness. And they really are about other people. And so you've got 
patience. You know, you're driving your car. Some people are going to test what you're patient. And I can see you road rage out there smiling um, because it's true. Sometimes you'll be driving and see, patience is something that we give to other people. We give people patience. You know, and then you've got kindness. We are to be kind to other people and goodness. That is something that we are to give to other people. And so the first part of the fruit of the Spirit is about God. The second part is about others. And the last part is faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This really is about us. You know, what kind of person are you? You know, you're a faithful person. I was saying this week um, at the lunch table that this isn't faithfulness in terms of the faith you have towards God. Like, you know, just have faith and believe God in your, in your dark times. That's, that's a different Greek word that is used um, in that instance. You know, that, the Greek word for faith in terms of your faith to God is, is pistis. But this is a different word. This is about you personally, your own faithfulness. What kind of person are you? Do you, do you come on time? When you say you're going to be somewhere, are you there? Does it drive anybody else crazy when people are late to things? We've got some family members, I won't say who, just in case, and listen to this. Um, it really does change the way you speak when everything goes online. But, you know, they, um, we will say to them, we're having a family function at 6.30, and everybody else knows that it's actually at 7. And, uh, and they'll come, like, oh, sorry, it's quarter to 7, I'm so sorry, we're late. And they're like, it's hilarious. <laughs> so what kind of person are you? Are you a faithful person? Are you a gentle person? Do you have gentleness in your life? You know, by being gentle, I don't mean just being a pushover. I don't mean, um, well, you know, watch a nice movie and share a little tear. You know, it's all emotional. I kind of did do that. Click. Have you ever seen Click? Adam Sandler? Anyway. It wasn't a, wasn't a crying movie, but I was like, oh, what are all these feelings? I don't know what these things are. But, um, yeah, it was, he fast forwards the, his life and he loses his time with his kids, quite emotional. <laughs> so, anyway, that wasn't in the notes. Um, self-control. So, when you're supposed to be preaching about fruits of the Spirit, yeah, exactly, who said that? Um, you know, do you have self-control? Do you have control over your tongue or what you say? Do you have control over your, your desires? Do you have control over your appetite? Do you have control over the things in your life that are, you know, really about self? And so for me, I was really blown away when I saw that there really is a pattern. And really the fruits of the Spirit are about God, others, and then us. And when you see them this way, you really realize that when we display the fruits of the Spirit, you know what? We will honor God, we will, we will show God to others, and then we will see God for ourselves. And so the fruit of the Spirit really is an amazing, incredible gift for the Christian. It's not just about love and kindness and butterflies, as I previously thought. So I want to give you a brief overview of Galatians, um, which Galatians being you know, the book, chapter 5, where we find the fruits of the Spirit. And you really see a theme here. In Galatians chapter 1, you really get the theme that you can't earn God's grace. You, know, you hear it a lot in this church, and I thank God for that. But you cannot earn God's grace. It is not about your efforts and your works. You know, if you're trying to earn God's favor, if you're trying to earn God's acceptance, then you're doing something, but it's not being a Christian. 
Being a Christian is about accepting what Christ has done in your life. Galatians chapter 2 is much the same. But it's actually saying you can't even uh, sort of do God's laws to earn his grace. So on one hand, you can't just be a good person and do just good things. But they're taking it a step further in Galatians 2. It's actually saying you can't even obey God's laws to, to really earn his grace. It is a free gift which only comes when we have faith in Christ. And that is the, the theme of chapter 3. It really is about faith in Christ alone. And when this happens, you have been redeemed from the curse of the law. That is a, a topic for another day. Galatians 4 is much the same as chapter 2. And uh, really talking about the fact that you can't earn, um, earn God's grace. But again... It says that when we try to do that, when we try to earn God's grace through the law, then we actually become slaves. And so what you see in Galatians from chapter 1 through to chapter 4 really is this whole tension between us trying to get free, us trying to get acceptance, but in reality we become slaves when we actually try to earn our own salvation. So in effect, when we become our own God, when we, when we say, you know what, I'm going to earn me salvation, I'm going to be God, then that's really what it's talking about, is that we, we come into this position where we are no longer free, but we are slaves. You know, we are some, some people are slaves to, to religion, and they, they call it Christianity. It's not Christianity, it's just religion, and it's to set us free. So I, you're going to have to bear with me, I'm trying to... Follow off a bit of a threat thing at the moment, but I'm going to try to read all of Galatians chapter 5. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, It is for freedom. Now, take into context the whole previous four chapters, and then the very opening remark of Galatians chapter 5 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. And, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith, the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or, sorry, nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty, brothers and sisters. If I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish that they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. And so I will look that right now, that's not the point of the message, but it's a very serious point. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. 
If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We'll keep it there and we'll get into these next verses a little bit later on. The first thing I want to say about that is the very opening remark is that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You know, I wonder right now, do you feel free? Do you feel really, really free in Christ? Are you just sort of living life free from the bondage of trying to fulfill all of God's commands and trying to be a good person and trying to make people happy and trying to do all these things? Are you actually free? Because in Galatians 5, he opens with that remark, and the pinnacle of this is the fruit of the Spirit. The other thing you see here is a tension between law versus grace. You know, maybe you feel this tension every day. I don't know about you, but do you feel the tension between, you know, being free in Christ, this grace that God has given us, that you are actually free, but somehow we take that freedom and we turn it into law. You know, by that I mean, um, you know, knowing that you should read your Bible. And we might talk about reading your Bible and having that discipline. And that's the thing that God has given you in His grace. You know, that you get to read your Bible, you get to enter into this loving relationship with your God where He can speak to you and bring life to you. But what ends up happening is we turn it into law. And so we go, oh, no, I've got to read my Bible. Oh, I missed today, I feel guilty. And then guilt starts to drive the way we live our Christianity. And there's a perfect example of how something that God gave us in grace so often we can turn it into law. And we really, we've got to fight for grace and fight for that freedom. The last part of what I just read that I want to highlight is verse um, 14. This, when I did that previous study and I read this, it just hit me in the face. It says, love your neighbour as yourself. And you might think, what's that got to do with the fruit of the Spirit? Well, if you remember before, we, we broke up the fruit of the Spirit into three categories. first one was God, and then there was others, and then there was us. Now, if you look at this verse, you see love. Now, love, love, that's about God. So, the first fruit of the Spirit is love. Well done. You participated in everything. Excellent. The first fruit of the Spirit was love. So, love, love is about God. And then your neighbor, that's others, and then that's yourself. You know, in this verse, maybe it's just me, but I was blown away. I'm like... Wow, even in Galatians, where they're just about to speak about the fruit of the Spirit, here's this little verse that really shows us that pattern of it is God, it is others, and then it is us. And that is what the fruit of the Spirit does. It really nurtures all three areas of our life, our relationship with God, our relationship with others, and our own self-well-being. Um, and so I just love, for whatever reason, that that's there. And so I want to ask you now, Again, the fruit of the Spirit, you think about it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, the way we treat other people, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We're going to play an AV in a moment, and what I want you to do is, I'm going to get you to watch watch the video, it's, it's about a minute long, 
because um, all these things will happen. And it really asks the question, when was the last time you? And so I want to put that in the context of the fruit of the Spirit. Because it's, it's easy to sit here and go, okay, it's preaching about the fruit of the Spirit. And especially us as Christians, we have heard about the fruits of the Spirit for so long. But maybe this is a moment for you to really say, am I actually experiencing like, the fruit of the Spirit? Do I, to my core, feel the love of God? Am I experiencing true joy? Because it's my belief that when we display these fruits, like we're little trees and we've got this fruit, that a hungry world who is in desperate need of this fruit will find us. We become attractive to them. So I want you just to take that time right now. We're going to play an A and B, and then it's just going to go on some quiet music. Feel free to close your eyes and open it, do whatever you need to do. But um, just have some time of reflection. Get time to stop and really take 
you know, take into account what we're really feeling, how we're really going. You know, I'm thinking about even sort of myself in that moment. You know, absolutely, I think there's times for me where I really feel like, my God, I just I haven't got a sense of peace. And so what I want to be clear about is that what I'm not saying is, you know, you will just, you should have the fruits of the Spirit. You know, by all means, don't turn this into a law, legalistic thing. This is about life. You know, I'm about to tell you how I believe we get there in the moment. But, you know, for me, sometimes I really feel like, oh, I just, I like that complete sense of peace. And yet at other times, I just have an uncanny sense of peace. So if that's you, if you're thinking about that thing that you're like, God, I just, maybe, maybe you don't feel loved by God. You know, whatever that thing is, you know, really just, just be aware of it and just take that to God in prayer. You know, God, I don't know what to do about this. I know that I can't conjure up peace myself, but God, I just trust you that you have got a way for me to experience this. A great description on how this works for me is in John chapter 15. So we'll just, we'll go there. I'll read from verse 1 to 9. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in me. Now, I read that this week, actually, it was, it was sort of a part of my message prep anyway, but it was actually in our devotions that we do here as a church. And the thing that stood out to me in this passage of Scripture is that there are six um, active things it tells us to do. So six times it says to us that we need to do this thing, and um, it's going to go up on the screen now. The first one is that you would remain in Him. The second one is that you would remain in Him. And you can see where I'm going. Six different times it says, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. And so that is what we do when it comes to bearing fruit in God. And I love how the, 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 the last verse actually says um, that, you know, that when you bear fruit, it actually brings glory to God. You know, so when you as a Christian bear much fruit, when you're showing you know, all the fruits of the Spirit to many different people, you actually bring glory. Glory to God. Isn't that a good thing that we get to give God glory and show God's glory to the world by the fruit that we've got in our life? The problem is, a lot of the times, Christians aren't known for their fruit. They're known for their strong moral stances on different things, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to be primarily known for the fruit that we've got in our life. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never walked past a fruit tree as you can see on the screen now, and heard it going, come on, make fruit. Like, it doesn't do that. A tree doesn't struggle to make fruit. And so there's something about how we are to go about 
getting fruit in our life that has nothing to do with effort. It has nothing to do with you struggling and, and striving and like, oh, I've got to love that person. You know, you think of that person, oh man, I've got to try really hard to love them, but I'm struggling right now. You know, oh, I'm trying to be happy. So angry, but I just want to be happy. Like, you can't force it and make it happen. But it is actually about effort. So it's not about effort. You don't see a tree going, I'm trying to make fruit here. You know, stop distracting me. I'm so busy. Come on, I'm making fruit. And yet, those of you who have a garden or who tend fruit trees know that there is a huge amount of effort involved in having a tree that actually does bear fruit. And so, you know, I want to encourage you, be people who who put all of their effort and all of their energy into remaining in Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. That's the way we bear fruit. We, yes, it does take effort, but the effort isn't in trying to make the fruit happen. The effort is all the way back here. And the fruit is actually just a result of all of this effort over here. And you know, that effort is a, is a privilege. It is a privilege to be in Christ. It is a privilege to remain in Him. If John can say it, you know, six times, I mean, if we miss it, we've got something wrong. You know, if we say something six times, you know, I don't know about you parents, but when you're saying something to your kids, I'll tell you what, you get to that second one and that third one, and you can start to feel that tension boiling up. You're like, I've told you kids, looking at my kids, I've told you three times. But this passage is saying to us six different times, if you want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if you want those things, then remain in Him. Remain in Christ. Now you might ask, you know, one thing I always like to do when I'm preaching, like, yeah, but how do we take this and how do we apply it? How do we make it work? So the question is, yeah, that's great. I need to have fruit. But how? It's actually a tricky question for this one because you're not actually making the fruit actually happen. That's Christ's job. That's God's job. And through the Holy Spirit, what we have to do is remain in Him. But here's the best I can come up with. You know, we, we read our Bible. We, we spend quiet time with Him. Maybe we spend time in reflection like we just did now. And we go, what's, what's something that's, that's stopping me from experience? experiencing this fruit. You know, there are many spiritual disciplines that we can do, and there's nothing wrong with those things at all. Praying, studying God's Word, knowing more about Him. You can know about God, but actually not be remaining in Him. There's a big difference. And trust me, I'm not beating up on anyone. I am as guilty as the next person. You know, we find ourselves busy doing things, and we find ourselves learning about God, and maybe listening to sermons about God, and, and we get knowledge about God in here, but we don't simply remain in Him. We don't just say, God, oh, I am safe because I am, look, the way I picture it, when I think of remaining in God, actually it's this weird thing, there was an ad on TV a few years back, and it was like these big people walking around, and they'd open up their stomach, and there'd be a little person hiding inside, does anyone remember that? That's the way I actually, and then climb up a little ladder and then go and hide in the other person. That's just the way my brain thinks and works. But when I think of being in Christ, I think, you know what, I'm not good enough. I fail. You know, I make a mistake of things and maybe it's all getting too much. I, I can just remain in Christ. 
that I'm covered by what Christ has done, that he died on the cross, that his blood was shed for my sins. And therefore, when God looks at me, he doesn't see me because I'm remaining in him, I'm hiding in Christ. And so that, that's where I think of it. That even helps you just get an idea. That we are to be people who remain in Christ, and that's, that's our role. You know, you've probably heard it said, curiosity killed the cat. You yeah, heard that said. Curiosity killed the cat. And I actually, um, I didn't know if it was going to be on it. Murray Jensen posted a video on, um, on, um, on Facebook last night, and it was pretty cool. It was like a cat mucking around with a little lizard, and, um, and the cat totally freaked out. That's the only way a cat makes it to my message. Like, it just freaked out, and it was like hilarious watching the cat lose it because this Elizabeth was trying to get it. You know, curiosity killed the cat. That's what they say. And you know, what I want to say to you is, where is your heart towards God? Your heart should be curious towards God. And so when it comes to sin, if you are curious, you're going to be just like the cat. You know, and maybe, yeah, sure, maybe you've got nine lives. I haven't really thought of that whole analogy and where that works. But maybe you've got nine lives. That can tie into the gifts of the Spirit somehow, I'm not sure. But, you know, when it comes to sin, sure, you might get away with it for a while, but in the end, your curiosity for sin will kill you. And that's kind of the fruit that we bear. When we're curious towards sin, we start to bear fruit that is sinful. We start to bear fruit that is anything but what God has promised us when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. Conversely, when we start to get curious towards God, when our heart starts to go, I wonder if there's more to God. You know, maybe you've been a Christian for 50 years, but your heart should still remain curious towards God where you just sort of say, there's more. There's more. I'm hungry. I don't know enough about God. That curiosity will never lead to death. It will always lead to life because it is okay to be curious. So they say curiosity kills the cat, but it's actually okay to be curious. Um, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, I'm, I'm really going to try to work to apply this now, which means I've got another 40 minutes, right? Um, uh, small laughing out there, sorry. Galatians 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 16 says um, that we are to keep on walking. This is part of what we do when we bear the fruit of the Spirit. We actually need to keep on walking. It's actually something that we do moment by moment. And it's not something we can just sort of say, well, I'm a Christian, and so therefore I'm just going to naturally have the fruit of the Spirit. You know, great, you're a Christian, but what have you done with it? You get the opportunity to have a life that is full of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? We become the things that we, we have a habit for. So if you've got a habit for doing something, if you've got a habit for, you know, for exercise, you are going to become somebody who is fit and healthy. If you've got a habit or an exercise, um, probably the wrong word to use, but if you've got a habit of watching TV every night and just sitting in front of the box and vegging out, well then you're going to become somebody who's very adept at all things TV. You thought I was going to say something negative, but I wasn't. So, you know, you're going to be somebody who becomes that thing. And I can remember um, in our house we had a clock. It was in the same spot. And every time I think, you know, oh, what time is it? I look at the clock. And then somebody moved the clock. And then the whole next week, I kept thinking, what time is it? And I looked at the clock. And that's when I realized the power of a habit. 
there's something powerful that I have where you don't even have to try. I don't even have to think, oh, what time is it? Where am I going to have to find a clock? I don't know where these things are, you know, looking around the place. I just went, I need to know the time. Bang, I'm there. And so I want to encourage you to develop habits that help you grow in your intimacy with Christ. You know, and that needs to be whatever you think is going to work for you. But develop habits now that are going to lead to a place where you can be um, fruitful for Christ. Um, In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, we actually see the negative example of bad habits. We see the, you know, what the Bible will call the acts of the flesh. So if we do this, it says here, the acts of the flesh um, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is the wages, if you will, of, of, of habits that are about what I want, what I want to do, you know. And, and these are things that, that Paul spoke to Christians. So it's not, don't think, well, that's not going to be me because I'm a Christian, so therefore I'm not going to fall into this trap of having bad fruit in my life. Actually, we will. Because if we have those habits, that's what we will become. But we actually get to have better habits than that. We get to remain in Christ. And again, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. I I love that. Like, who's going to make a law against you loving somebody? Like, I love that. You come up to me and you do something really kind to me, I'm not going to go, hang on a second, I'm going to make a law against that. Stop being nice to me. Like, that's not going to happen. I love how Paul's really having a joke here. He's really saying, against such things, there is no law. You know, this is not another set of rules for us to obey. This is not like, oh, great, man, I learned so many things in church, now I've got to have the fruits of the Spirit. Now, how hard is that? This is not another set of rules or, you know, things that we have to obey. This is something that we get to have as a benefit to being in Christ. You know, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, you actually see that Adam and Eve hid. Um, they hid when when God came. They were walking with the Lord their God. They fell into sin, and it actually says that they hid. They, they hid from the Lord. And rather than walking with God, which is what they were in the habit of doing, they would walk with God in the, in the, in the cool of the evening. Rather than walking with God, they hid. And I, and I wonder where you are at right now. You know, as I as I close today. Maybe, maybe you're in a position where you're not feeling the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you're in a position where you're sort of going, you know, I don't feel like God loves me. You know, if anything, and I haven't majored on these this morning, but if anything, maybe you feel like, you actually feel quite sinful because of all these other fruits that have been in my life. That's the, the sin of hatred or you know, discord, all these other different things on your life. And maybe your reaction to God is to simply go, you know, God, I, I can't be in your presence. I, I'm, I'm scared of, you know, I can't fully get involved at church because I've got this area of sin or I can't serve, I can't, 
you know, be passionate about that missions thing that I'm just excited about, but, you know, I'll do it one day when I clean myself up. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. They saw God, they knew their sin, and they, instead of walking with God, instead of going with God, they ran and they hid. And I want to encourage you today, maybe that's you, maybe you've been hiding from God, and, and, and you know that He's calling you into a place where He wants you to walk with Him. You know what you get to do? If you're a sinner, just like me, you get to climb that little ladder, jump in Him, right, and you get to hide in Christ. If you are a Christian, and, and you have said, you know, God, I give you my life. I, I believe that you died for my sin. I, I trust you, God. You know, if that's you, then that's what you get to do. You get to hide under the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. And that's what the scripture says, that as we remain in him, and we hide in him, we remain in Christ, we will bear much fruit. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes right now. If, you could be one of two types of people today. Maybe, maybe you've never actually made that step. Maybe you've never actually gone, you know what, God, I, I'm tired of living this life of trying to earn my salvation or God, trying to get the approval of others or, or just get any sense of worth. You know, maybe you've never actually said, God, I, I just want to trust you. I just want to, I want that freedom. You know, the fruits of the Spirit are about nothing if they're not about freedom. It is about being free. You know, maybe that's you. Or maybe you're here and you just feel like, you know, really dry. You're just dry as chips. You haven't got the fruits of the Spirit and your interactions with God, your interaction with other people, or even the way you think about yourself. You can just sense that there's just something that needs to change. Now, I would love to pray with you. If that's you and you don't even know, how do I remain in Christ? How do I do that? I'd love to pray with you. So maybe right now, if that's you, if you've never given your life to Christ, I'd love to ask you to raise your hand so I can see who you are. I'd love to chat to your uncle. Is there anyone here who's never, ever given their life to Christ and you'd love to do that? And then secondly, is there anybody here who is just saying, you know what, I'm just dry. I, God, I just need you. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand as well? And we'll pray a prayer right now for you. Thank you. Right. It's a real moment of honesty when you get to say, God, this is where I'm at. I love the scripture that, that says that God honors an honest heart. In fact, there's somebody here, why don't you just raise your hand? I really get the sense that you've been wondering that, you know, God, you know, what do you really think about me? That your issue is, you know, God, do you really love me? And I actually see a course correction coming for you. That God would say that as you are honest and humble, that he honors you. Why don't we pray right now? Father, we just thank you, God, that you are so good to us. Lord, I, I just, I thank you that you are everything we need, that you came to give us life and life abundantly. So Father, we just ask you in Jesus' name to, to be close to those who need comfort this morning, or those who are feeling dry, God, those who, who don't have that fruit in their life to the degree that they would like it. Lord, and of course, Lord, I put myself in the same position. God, help us to bear fruit. Let us to be people, Lord, let us be people who, who display the fruit of the Spirit. 
So clearly to those who are desperate and hungry for you. God, we know that it's only in your incredible name that we can do this. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.